I'll stay my faith. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? The book of Luke, Luke chapter 13, verse 23 and 24. New King James Version, you'll find these words says, Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? Then he said to them, Strive. Somebody say strive. Strive, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Somebody say the narrow gate. The narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. But this is going to be our second sermon in this little short series that's going to end today entitled, I Love Striving. I Love Striving. I added my little buddies up there with me this week uh, to show you this, but I do want to make the genesis of where this came from. Again, I told you last week that I was out in Vegas when I designed a national park, which was a powerful experience, mountains everywhere, some elevation of 9,000 feet or more, and I was wearing our striving shirt, and the striving shirt was created to be a witnessing tool for the ministry, amen? So uh, as we was walking up these mountain trails, and there were people who were avid climbers out there, as well as uh, trailblazers, uh, several people said to me, I love your shirt, I love your shirt, and I said, what is it that they love about this shirt? I love striving. I didn't get a chance to give them the five-minute elevator speech and tell them that, hey, striving is the name of our ministry, the S4P, the cross, and all that. So obviously, they didn't love this church. Amen. They didn't know nothing about this church. So it had to be something on the shirt that they could relate to. And when I went back and I said to you all that the Spirit spoke to my heart, it was the word striving. And when I looked up that definition, it became clear to me why they like this shirt. Because the word strive means this, to devote serious energy. Somebody say serious energy. Serious energy and great effort to achieve or obtain something, to exert oneself vigorously. And I guess that's the young people today. They say, you know, I hear young people say, I'm grinding, trying to get something done, trying to accomplish something. The other day, Kim Wanda was in the office. She was working real hard. Everything was hectic. And she said, Pastor, sometimes I like it when I have to when I have to grind. Because when I have to grind, I have to put forth energy and effort to do something and make something happen. See, those people were mountain climbing. They knew they had to grind to get up and down those hills. Pastor Bolden was not a mountain climber. I was loving this shirt for the name of the ministry, but they was loving it for the experience of going up and down the... I wasn't in the grinding mood. But I did go up. My mile and a half up, and I came back down. I told you last week, one of my little buddies there, he, he wasn't going to grind all the way down, so he had to be carried down. And his mama called me to make sure that I include that she carried him part of the way because I made the story look like a husband carried him all the way. So everybody paid grind to get him back down the mountain. Now, the second definition of the word strive is to try very hard to do something or to make something happen. You know, if you're going to do something in life, you ought to be trying to make something happen. I mean, don't just be doing it just to be doing it. Do it to make some things happen. You know, this week, you know, we got a ton of food in. Marcus and them had to grind to make some things. I mean, we had to put out calls to everybody. Come pick up this. We got eggs. We got grapes. We got all this stuff. And if we don't get rid of it, it's going to sit here and go to waste. But Marcus and them had to grind. Calling people in the community. Come in. Look here. Let me say this to you. Whenever that call go out saying that our food pantry got an abundance of food, Stop thinking about you. Most of you all don't even need the food, but I need for you to receive the call and pass it on to somebody who do. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to say, oh, I got eggs. I don't even eat commissary grapes. It ain't about you. We got more grits out there that we know what to do with. And just because you don't eat grits no more, somebody else 
So every now and then we have to exert energy and effort to make things happen in ministry. And we need other people to come alongside us and do more than just dance and shout. But we got to make Jesus' love visible in the, in the community. Amen. And so therefore, when you put forth that level of effort, you ought to believe that God is going to bless you for the effort that you put forth in his name. The third definition of strive means to do this, to struggle in opposition, to compete. And that's what we're going to look at most of today, this, this competing spirit that got to be in us, to battle, to fight with the intent on overcoming or winning. And so on last week, I told you about three things that we have to do. I said we must strive to keep a clean and clear conscience. Amen? Can I give you my little conscious story? And this, I hope I don't go too long, but I was up in Montgomery Thanksgiving, and I bought an a, a HBCU shirt because they had all the vendors out there. But I came at the end, and I knew, you know, the guy was asking $55. And I knew I wasn't going to pay no $55 for no shirt at that time. So he was saying, give me $25. Well, I went up to him, and I had a fresh 20 in my hand. I said, I'll give you $20 for the shirt. He said, no, man, you know, I, I need, these shirts normally stay, sell for 55, but I'm putting them on sale now for 25. I said, I'll give you 20. And he said, but, but you just don't understand. And then I started to walk away because I knew he was going to take the 20. But as I was walking away, the brother said something to me. I was wearing an Adidas hoodie. He said that Adidas hoodie cost you the same amount that this hoodie would cost you. It's made out of the same material. But you're going to sweat me because I look like you and you gave the Adidas man the whole 55 and didn't ask him no question. That thing convicted me. I said, I said man, look at you. That's for 25. I ain't got but $30. You can take all 30 of them. Just give me this shirt. So what I'm trying to tell you it reminded me sometimes as a people, we can be harder on our own people than we are on everybody. And so if I had had more, I probably gave him more. Because the brother touched my heart and said, man, it, and, and I don't mean this in no negative way, but see, I was brought up, and this got to do with striving, doing things right, and warring against flesh, is that we were psyched to believe, pardon this expression, that white ice is colder. I don't know, somebody I don't even get that. So therefore, we, we didn't know that all ice freeze at 32. But because of who was selling it to me, made me think that it may have been. And so what I'm trying to tell you, last week we were saying that every now and then, you got to strive to have a clean. And when your conscience interrupt you and correct you on something, you got to acknowledge. Then I said we must love striving together in united prayer. You know, we talked about our prayer thing, and several people called me this week, said, Pastor, since you said that, man, I've been paying attention to prayer now. I'm not just going on there, just going through the motion. I've been really putting my heart into it. So when I say to you, if you're going to get on there, you don't have to get on there every night, but if you're going to get on there, strive with the people who are lifting up people's names in prayer, who got issues going on in their lives. They want, we had baby Kirsten on the prayer. I don't know. She's on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You asked us to pray. Adrian put it on the list. And people prayed. And what I'm trying to tell you, we got to do more of these things when it comes to striving together in prayer. And we closed last week by saying we must strive together for the faith of the gospel. In other words, every now and then this gospel fight is a struggle. And we got to strive to make sure that we uphold the faith even in the times that we're living in. Amen? Now today, I told y'all my story, so let me just press on. Now today, go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Probably familiar for many of you. Now this passage comes just uh, before the passage uh, where the Apostle Paul ex ex explained the extreme limits he went to to, uh, to win others to Christ. 
In other words, this is where he said before this passage, he became all things to all men that by all means he could win some. See, it's important for you to understand everybody that you minister to ain't going to come to the Lord. But all you want to do is believe that some will come if you carry them the good news. He said, I went through all things to become all things to all men. And all I was trying to do was just to win some. Then he used an illustration from athletics. And I'm pretty sure the Alabama fans were like this, striving all the way to the end and coming from a 10-point, 17-point down or whatever, and then just beat the snot out of Georgia. They just strive all the way to the... They, they strive in that athletic event, that competition. They strive all the way to the end. When you don't strive all the way to the end, there's a possibility who you're striving against is going to be. So he used athletics event to show the efforts and energy that we must put forth in striving for the crown. Somebody say striving for the crown. Paul really believed that there was a crown of righteousness which was laid up for him. And on the day of judgment, he believed that he was going to receive. But he said, not only me, but everybody who believed that Jesus Christ has appeared. And so he's saying, look, when we look at this passage, this, these words, the words compete in this passage means to struggle or to put forth great energy or effort to achieve or do something. So the point I want you to get out of this is we must love striving for the imperishable crown the imperishable crown. We can't be striving for things that's going to pass away. And he used the analogy of the Olympic Games to make this point clear. He says, now look, do you not know, in verse 24, that those who run in a race, somebody say run in a race, your life is a race, and whether you're running or walking, you're still in a race, and you ain't racing with nobody but you. And how you finish is going to determine how you run. And how you run will determine how you discipline yourself to run. If you don't discipline yourself to finish this race and to finish this race strong, you won't. And some people are going to quit because they don't want to put forth the effort. They don't want to strive. They don't want to do what's required to stay in their race and all the way to the... He was used to, hey, you don't know too many Olympic athletes who just quit in the middle of training if they want to go to the Olympics. They do what's required. They train their body. They train their mind. They train their spirit. In other words, they eat right. They exercise right. They put stress on their body so they can compete. Then they put stress on their mind. They got to start seeing themselves as winners before they get in the fight. You can't wait till you get to the fight to think you're going to win. You got to see yourself as winning before you go in the fight. You got to go in the fight with a winner's attitude. He said, look here, that's the same level of energy that it takes to strive to get that crown that is waiting for you in hell. The Bible talks about several crowns, you know, crown of glory, you know, crown of righteousness, crown of life. All the crowns represent is rewards for us in heaven. Has nothing to do with you losing your salvation, but there is a possibility that if you don't run your race right, Brother Davis, when you get to heaven, you may have been disqualified for some things that you deserve. Let, let me read on. He says, now look, you got to run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. He says, now everyone who competes, and that word competes, that means strive, for the prize is temperate. Somebody say temperate. Temperate means that they are disciplined. In order to finish your race, you got to be. See, as a pastor, it's easy for me to preach to you as believers about self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction, and self-awareness. And all those messages are good and critical to your success in life. But every now and then, somebody needs to tell you about self-discipline. That if you don't discipline yourself, your awareness of you don't mean You got to discipline yourself. So he says that everybody who compete for the prize is temperate or disciplined in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown because in the Olympics, they got a little wreath on their head, three or four days, the thing was dead. But they worked all that energy off for that dead thing that's going to die in three or four. But we do it for an imperishable crown. So you're striving for something that is not going to fade away. As long as you 
do what the Lord has called you to do. What you are striving for is an eternal crown that's going to be there forever. And then he tells this, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. You can't go through this life uncertain whether or not you know the Lord or not. You ought to know for beyond a shadow of doubt, you save, you save, you save. You ought to talk it with clarity. You ought not to have no doubt in your mind that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and you shouldn't be walking around, oh, I'm shadow boxing. I don't know if I'm saved today. I may lose this tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to look your way. Time out. That don't sound like a disciplined mind. That sounds like a confused mind. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't need to be confused when it comes to your eternal. Thus I run, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight. He said he used running and boxing, two things that require a lot of energy and effort to do. I fight not as one who just beaten the air. There's so many Christian clips who ain't doing nothing but shadow boxing. Just beating the air. Got an enemy, but they don't even know how to hit the target. They just swing, swing, wasting a lot of energy and ain't hitting. And I'm here to tell you, as Cliff told you, if you pray, if you get down on your knees every now and then and pray, if you study God's word every now and then, I guarantee you'll land a punch every now and then. And if you just do what, if you just do what the Bible say do. All you got to do, you ain't got to figure this thing out on your own. It's already been figured out. Just do what the Bible say do. And I guarantee you won't be shadowboxing the rest of your life. You'll start winning some fights that you go to. You'll start saying, hey, look here. I didn't wake up this morning, Cliff, looking for a fight. But if he going to bring one, he going to get one. Because I ain't running, I ain't scared, and I ain't going to be shadowboxing. You know, just fighting you when you're supposed to be fighting it. said, look, I ain't just beating the apostle. I ain't doing this just for, my, just for fun. I got a goal. I got an aim. He said, now look, this is how I get there. But I disciplined my body and bring it into now that's the part we don't like. Flesh does not like to be brought into you got to subdue your flesh by allowing the word of God and the spirit of God to overrule your flesh. Because if you don't subdue flesh Flesh going to fight you all the way to the grave. Amen. There's a war that's going on inside of you and it's going to go on. So he said, look, I bring it into subjection. I make this body do what it don't want to. See, I need some help in certain areas of bringing subjection because I'm still working on that eating part, Adrian. Because every now and then, flesh wins. Flesh wins. See, I went and got me some pomegranates from Sam, them good ones. And you know, I don't need to eat but one. But flesh say you can take down two. So I compromise with flesh. Say, let's, let me do just one and a half. When I should have said, I'm going to only do one half. So what I'm trying to tell you is that your flesh is going to always fight you. And if you're not prepared to fight against and war against your flesh, your flesh is going to rule the day. I don't care how often you come to church. I don't care how often you hang around other folk. You got to win the fight with your flesh. And only you can discipline. See, I bring it in subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, live my life before others, I should myself be this. Lord, have mercy disqualified. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, if anyone's going to compete or contend or strive in athletics, they have to compete in accordance with the rules. They have to strive in accordance with the rules. If they don't strive in accordance with the rules, they will not be crowned the winner. And Paul is saying, look, there is a possibility, Cliff, that you could be running your race Get out of your lane. Keep running. But you just don't know that you've been dis... I learned that when I used to... Be, I wasn't a track because, you know, this is not a track body. You can see that right now. But, but I used to be a trainer of a track team. And there were certain races you had to stay in your lane. 
You couldn't veer to the right. You couldn't veer to the left. In your lane. And they had judges all around the track. If you got out of your lane, that judge ticket you right there. You've been disqualified. But we were always told, never stop running. Just in case the judge didn't see it. You know you done got out of your lane, and you running, and you running, and you running, and you praying, please don't let him see that I done stepped on the line. And when I crossed the line first, chest out, the guy bring the penalty flag and say, you been this. You're going to get to heaven. But when you get there, you may find out you have disqualified yourself from some of those The crown that you may have thought you, oh, Lord, y'all don't want See, y'all don't even want to think about heaven. Because right now, I got to get your mind on spiritual things. There is a heaven. And one day, you're either going there or somewhere else. And what I'm trying to tell you, if you're going to go there, you ought to want to go there qualified. That's why you need to be saying to yourself, I will not be disqualified from what God is calling me to do. Not going to disqualify myself. So therefore, I know what the rule will say, and to the best of my ability, I try to live in accordance with the rule. But then I understand that if you violate a rule, there's a penalty, but in, even in hockey, you don't stay in the box the whole game. They let you out. They keep you in there for a couple minutes, and they let you back on the ice. So if they got sense enough to let folk back in the game, I believe God lets you back in the game. You keep doing what he's calling you to do. You keep striving to be the best you can be. I believe God will let you back in the game too. And what I need for you to do is just discipline your mind, discipline your body, discipline your spirit that you're not going disqual- to get disqualified in the race that God has called you to run. And that requires self-discipline. I know we don't like talking about self-discipline, but discipline is just a part of training. It's a part of teaching. And so therefore, if you don't do those things, if you don't allow yourself to be trained by the word of God and the spirit of God, then your flesh is not going to allow you to live a disciplined life. It ain't going to happen. You don't become a star Christian athlete if you don't put in the work. You got to grind. You got to do more than just show up here on Sunday, have a good time, praise like Till said, we dance out, out our clothes but still we ain't ready to fight. It's one thing, after the praise was over, the battle had to be, the Levites went before, and the, you know, they went before praising, but somebody had to come behind them and do some fighting. And every now and then they can praise so good that the other enemy just started running, but most of the time the enemy you fight ain't running yet. So you better keep on praising, you better go in ready to Amen. So we got to have that discipline. And Paul was trying to let us know that. Go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And this, this passage, I just want you to remember this. You got to love striving against sin. You must strive hard not to give up in your fight, your struggle with sin. You know, because the race that you're running, and we're going to see here in Hebrews chapter 12, is an endurance race. And, 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 and you got to keep your eyes on Jesus as you strive hard to finish your race. Sometimes your race is going to be a struggle. This is not a 100-yard dash that you're running. This is a marathon. Marathons got hills and valleys and a long way, 26.2 miles. You just don't get there in 30 seconds. You don't get there. Some people, if I had to run a marathon, it'd be days. It'll take me days to go 26 miles. But for some of y'all, you know, Ernestine, I think you done trained hard. You know, you may be able to knock it out in four hours and 55 minutes. Well, you know, I'm going to still be on the course. I can't get mad because she done finished her race and all of a sudden I'm mad now. No, I just know I got 12 more hours to go. And I just need to focus on my race and not on her race. And the reason we get distracted so often when we're running our race, we look at everybody else and everybody else is run, not running the same race that you are. Don't run your race competing against somebody else. Run your race competing against you. You're your competition. And so what, what I want you to see in this, 
When we say we love striving against sin, I don't mean I wake up in the morning going looking for a fight with a sinner. I ain't got to look for no fight with no sinner. All I got to do is look at my flesh. So I wake up every morning getting ready to do battle with me. Because if I don't wake up getting ready to do battle with me, something in me will win the battle for that. We're always looking for somebody else to fight. Fight you. Start off every day dealing with you and overcome the sin that's in you. So look at this, what he said. He says, therefore, verse 1, verse chapter 12, we are, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those of you who know the Bible know that in chapter 11 he gave us the heroes of faith, all of them sitting there. And the thing is, is that they're not sitting there just to cheer me on. They're sitting there so that I can look up to them and get encouragement that they won that race. I can go back and study their life, Jacob's life, Moses' life, study their life and see what they did to overcome the challenges in their life. And by them overcoming their challenges, it inspired me to keep running the race that I'm running. So he said, you're surrounded. There's some people who have won this race. When you get in trouble, you need to look up to them and say, if they could win the race, I can win the truth. So we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight. Now let me start right there. Before you start running your marathon, the first thing you got to do is drop some stuff. I don't care who you is and how much you love some of the stuff you bring to the table. If you finna run to win, you got to do a self-assessment of your life and lay aside some weight. He didn't even say sin yet, Major. He just said weights. Things that you notice in your life that may not be sinful, it may not be unlawful, it may not be illegal, but you know that if I hold on to this, I'm not going to be able to go 26.2 miles holding on to this. Even though somebody else can run their race with it, I can't run my race with it because to me it is old. Don't start off with your sins. You start off with your sin, you'll get discouraged because you've been sinning too some of them sins we got ain't going nowhere after one prayer, after one fasting. They ain't going <laughs> so you go, I'm going to knock this off my list right now. No, no. Get some of them little weights off first before you start dealing with your sin, your still stuff that's hid in your closet. Get rid of the weights. Then you can go and deal with the... This is what he says. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Sin tangles us up. Sin keeps us bound. Sin keeps us from running the way God wants us to run. He said, you can't run your race with endurance until you done laid aside some weights and got rid of some sin. Now, the word sin there is not plural. It's singular. So most believe that the writer was talking about the sin of unbelief. Because these believers now were being persecuted and a lot of them were ready to throw in the towel. They were ready to quit. They were ready to stop believing what they had been taught. And I know that there are people out there today, there are people that's looking at me online, you got friends, you got family who done got fed up with COVID. They done got fed up with this. And they say, look here, I'm just ready to give it up. I ain't even going back to church, don't even care about nothing. I'm just, I, COVID just done drained. And I just drop out to tell you, you need to encourage them folks and tell them, don't let COVID get the best of you. You're still here. You're still in the fight. You're still in the race. Think about the positive and not the negative. He says, now look, and let us run with endurance. Somebody say endurance. That word endurance lets you know this ain't no easy race. You could just let us sprint through the 100 meters. I can get out there right now and I ain't ran in 15 years. And I can run 100 meters, maybe take me 40 seconds. <laughs> but I, but I, I will at least run. A, I can understand. I won't pull a hamstring. I ain't going to pull nothing. I can run 100 meters. So what, what I'm trying to tell you, some of y'all need to stop completing them little 100 meters and think your race is... You better start practicing for a marathon. 
you got to practice for the long haul. You got to practice with endurance. That means, you know, you got to run with some weights on your back, Cliff, when you're in training. Some people in the football world, they put parachutes on their back so they can run with resistance, fighting against them as they run. But game day, they take all that off. Don't want nothing holding me back when it's time to... Now look at this. When you start running your race, one thing you got to do, and I know it's hard, those friends and family members who are not encouraging you on, but holding you back, you got to let them go. I, I know you ain't going to want to do it, but I know you ain't going to want to do it, but if they are holding you, you got to let them go. He says you got to run the race that is set before you. So your course is already set in life, and you need to make sure that you're running it looking unto Jesus. Verse 2 who is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the captain. He's the originator of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, Jesus knew that he had a place of honor waiting on him. So therefore, he didn't see the cross as no big deal, Cliff, because in the end, once I get through this mind of suffering that I got to go through for the world, guess what? I already got a place of honor waiting on me. I got something stored on me. So therefore, when I'm out there dying for glory and I'm out there dying for Brother Purdue, I can do it with joy because I know that is not how the story going to end. I'm going to end up seated next to the Father in the place of place of honor. That inspired him. And whenever we find ourselves discouraged, we need to look to him as our example and find courage by looking unto Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. You're not burdening him down when you look up to heaven and ask him to help you. That's what he's supposed to do. He died for you. Why would he want you to lose your race and he died so that you can win? He says, now, for consider. That means when the Bible tells you to consider something, I mean, you got to do some thinking about it. Consider. Just think about this for a minute. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. In other words, when you find yourself becoming weary in this race, and your soul and your spirit starting to want to give in, you got to consider Jesus. You need to stop thinking about you for a moment because thinking about you ain't working. You Thinking about you ain't solving your problem. You need to start considering Jesus. Consider what he went through for you to run your race. And as you consider and think about the spitting on, the beat down, the ridicule, you know, the cross and all that he went through just for you, that ought to encourage you to say, look, I'm going to run another mile. And if I run another mile, somebody may come alongside me and we can run this next mile together to encourage me. But whatever you do, slow down, but don't stop. There's a difference between slowing down and stopping. And I hear, I'm here to tell you there is no sin and slowing down. But when you stop, there's no way you're going to finish. You, you got to keep moving to finish. You can't stop halfway through the mouth and stop at 13 and say, I'm done. You're done, but you ain't. And those of you who are grinding out there to get ahead in life on your jobs and your careers and all that, why stop? If you're halfway there. You ain't got but two more classes to take. Why are you crying? Oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. You know, these classes. Hey, right, look here. You should have said that 15 classes ago. You, you, the, the finish line is in view. I can see what I'm shooting for now. And you know, when I was in track, and I, again, they used to always say, Ernestine, when you come around the last turn, you vote to kick. Because you see the finish line and you got to find something on the inside of you to say, I ain't going to let hell nor high water keep me from finishing my race and I ain't going to just finish. I'm going I'm to kick it into another gear. The sad news is that if I get trivial for a moment, 
Georgia just didn't have another. Alabama had another. And when they kicked it in, the score changed. Oh, I'm sorry, Georgia's in the house. <laughs> so what I'm trying to tell you, don't let the fact that you're tired, you're weary, keep you from finishing strong. Reach down on the inside of you. The Bible says there's a spirit that's on the inside of you that's greater than the forces that's on the outside of you. And every now and then you got to reach down and allow that spirit to give you the energy so that you can put forth the effort to complete your race so that you will keep, keep striving. Don't stop striving. You got to love striving against sin. Look at this. He said this. He said, don't let your soul get discouraged because when your soul get down, it's going to be hard to revive you. When your soul get discouraged, your flesh is just going to follow what's on the inside of you. He said, now look, this is what the thing. He says, Cliff, we ought to take confidence that you have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. You know, some people died standing up for the gospel. And he was saying, look at y'all over there doing all that. Whining. Don't, don't make it. And he said, you ain't even fought till you done shed blood yet. And you still whining. You in a fight, you ain't even bleeding. And he said, look, you got to take courage of the fact that the Lord done protect you long enough that you ain't got blood running down your face. You ain't got blood coming out of your body. You have not resisted sin until. So therefore, if you have not resisted sin until bloodshed, as long as sin is in the world, you got to continue to strive and fight against. I know you don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. But I'm telling you, sin don't play fair. Sin to put you in a little false state of security and make you think you got it going on. And before you know it, you'll be back into some stuff you've been delivered. Let me finish up. Go back to our text and let me set this up in the book of Luke. Let me close with a brief look at this text. Luke chapter 13, verse 23 and 24. In this chapter, Luke records several of Jesus' parables that allude to the kingdom of God talks about what the kingdom of God is like, how it grows, how it spreads. And then he talks about how to enter the kingdom. Then Jesus started this teaching off with a simple binary method. When you read the first part of chapter 13, he said, look here, either you repent or perish. Either you turn or you burn. Either you repent. Now, this Jesus talking now. He ain't cutting no corn with him. He ain't new arson. He ain't saying, well, you know, there's a little gray here and a little gray there. He said, either you repent or perish. And I know people don't want to hear that today, but we still got to tell them they need to repent. Maybe you want to leave off the parish part because you don't feel like you want to scare the hell out of them. But every... But every now and then, you need to scare some of your friends and family members so they don't end up in. So Jesus was simple. Repent or perish. You know, you're either for me or against me. You're either going to build on a rock or you're going to build on sand. I mean, he just makes it clear, binary. He don't give us a lot of choice. Then he presents the parable of the barren fig tree. Didn't produce no fruit. You know what happens to it. Then he presents the parable of the mustard seed, the smallest seed in the kingdom, and he shows how it grows to be the largest. Now, he was talking to Jews. Now, he was trying to get a message through to them that, hey, you guys started off in front of everybody. Y'all were the smallest seed, but God intended for y'all to grow and flourish and, and, and accept the, 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 the salvation that he has in place for you. But because you guys have been hard-headed, y'all don't want to repent, now you're going to see other folk come into the kingdom and going to enjoy some things that you should be enjoying. 
So that's why he used those parables about the mustard seed. And then he used the parable of the leaven, of the yeast, to emphasize how something small can spread. He's talking about how this word, how the gospel, how things were going to spread. And even if the Jews didn't spread it, it was going to spread in spite of them. Then as Jesus was teaching this powerful and prophetic lesson, someone asked him a question. And from Jesus' simple but profound answer, I want you to get this. You got to love striving to enter the kingdom of God through the narrow gate. I know, I know that, that ain't going to go too well with a lot of people, but you got to love staying on the path that everybody else ain't on. See, there's a wide way that'll take you somewhere too. And just because everybody is on it don't mean that it's the right way. And so a lot of times, I tell young people a lot of times, just because all of your friends are doing something don't mean it's the right something. You have to be wise enough to discern whether or not what they're doing is right. And if it's right, then get a part of it. But if everybody else is doing it and it's wrong, you don't want to be a part of that. So, so when Jesus was preaching this, someone asked him a question. In verse 23 says, Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? In other words, when I looked at the Amplified Bible, it just said few mean are saved, talk about rescue, delivered from the penalties of judgment and be partakers of salvation with Christ. He said, so the guy was asking him, are there few who are saved? Now, the Jews had a running argument, Cliff. They was always trying to figure out how many people going to get in. Is there a number? You know, and I know some people are like, well, it ain't going to be but 144,000. Well, I got news for you. If it was going to be 144,000, if that's the number, I'm one of them, and I hope the other one that have gone before me in there. But Jesus didn't say that. Somebody else took that number from somewhere. See, instead of Jesus answering the man question, it looked like Jesus said, well, it's going to be 550 million people going to make it in. Or 550,000. He could have gave him a number. The guy asked the question. You know, how many? But he asked the wrong question. He shouldn't have been asking how many. And Jesus, in so many words, tell him, it ain't about how many. It's about you. Whether it's one or a thousand, are you going to be one of them? <laughs> are you going to be one of them? It, it don't make no difference how many. The question comes back to you, just are you, are you going to be one of them? And once you can answer that, then it don't matter because he was telling the Jews, look here, you're asking the wrong question, but the question, are you going to be one of them? So then he said to them, strive. Somebody say strive. He said strive. Put forth the effort, the energy, and the effort that it takes to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. When you go on to the end of this parable, it talks about a banquet and how everybody wanted to get in and say, sooner or later, some folk going to knock and the door going to be. There are some people who's going to have an opportunity to get in but going to refuse to. This ties to that same parable. The same passage. In Matthew, he said it that way. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Here he tells them, you guys had this word. You guys had this first. And then all of a sudden, now you out there knocking. Now you out there knocking. But the door. You need to make sure that the door don't close on you. And you need to keep running your race and keep encouraging your family members and everybody that you know and love and care about to encourage them to stay in the race so that the door don't close on you. I'm through, I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. Very seldom I read from the Message Bible because the Message writer make a paragraph out of a, one verse. But they say some things in this, this Bible that I think makes it plain. So I, this is unusual for me, but I just want to share this. Message Bible say verse 23 and 24 like this. But a bystander said, 
Master, will only a few be saved? He said, whether a few or many is none of your business. That's the wrong question, Cliff. <laughs> For the few or many, it ain't your, that's God's business. So why are you over here meddling in God's business? You take care of your business, which is you. The message kind of hit it right there like that. You know, it's none of your business. He said, now this, put your mind on your life with God. The way to life to God is vigorous. Uh-oh, sound like striving. And requires your total attention. And this is what he said to the Jews. I hope he ain't saying this to none of y'all. A lot of y'all are going to assume that you will sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your life. I was scared to read that to y'all. Man, when I read that, I said, Lord, am I, am my people going to be able to handle the message Bible interpretation this, that they've been hanging around striving all their life, and they just assumed because I was hanging around the church, because I was going through the motion, but I wasn't, I wasn't putting forth the effort. I wasn't exerting no energy, and all of a sudden, I'm all just because I've been hanging around folks that's going somewhere, but I ain't trying to go there myself. I'm going to assume that the, the owner and the, the one who set up the banquet is going to say, come on in. But there's a possibility, like my man said over here, he could say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never. You hung around the right people, but I never. I pray that as you strive and as we continue to strive to do the things that God's called us to do, that you stay focused on what God is calling you to do, that you strive to complete your race, that you strive to finish your course, and don't worry about everybody else. Everybody else is not your business. Once you need to run your race, take care of you, and then get your family, even on a plane, they tell you, don't try to, you know, put the mask on your children first, them little rats going to call you to get killed. You need to put your mask on first, then you help somebody else. So until you know you got yourself secure and where you're supposed to be, then now you can go out and be a witness to somebody else. Take care of you and not worry about if they're going to make it in, if this person's going to make it in, I hope they make it. You better find out, am I on the list, Lord? Am I, is my name written in the Lamb Book of Life? Have my name been recorded in your book? If it has, then God, I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory because my name is recorded. Jesus told his disciples, you all need to shout because you know your name is recorded in the Lamb Book of Life. Don't shout because you can do miracles and you can do this. Shout because your name is written in the Book of Life. And I just stopped by to tell you, you got to keep striving. Don't stop running your race. Keep doing whatever you got to do for the Lord. And if you're going to do it, put some energy into it. Put some effort into it. Just like them people thought I could do that climbing that mountain. They didn't like my shirt because of my church. They thought that I was a striver. That I could go up that mountain and I could identify with them. They just didn't know. <laughs> but they just didn't know. <laughs> but look here. I didn't stop them from thinking it. I just walked around just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. They, they like my shirt. They like that striving. They, yeah. So what I'm trying to tell you, when you start living a certain way, people are going to start thinking you a certain way. And when they start seeing you and thinking that you're like the Lord, don't change their mindset. When they say, you know something different about you, Major, something different about you, Her, Robin, that's something different. Hey, I ain't going to try to change your way of thinking. Because the truth be known, there's something different. I ain't been sitting around the neighborhood just thinking, I'm going to get in, Adrian. I've been exerting some energy and some effort in doing what the master of the house telling me to do because I know I'm going to get in. Is there anybody in the house who know they're going in today?
Is there anybody in the house who can declare, I'm on the narrow way? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm on the narrow way, Jesus. I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to go in through the narrow gate because I know wide is the way that leads to this. But narrow is the way that leads to life. Leads to life. Leads to life. And we ought to thank God that we have life in Jesus Christ. Give the Lord some praise on today. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this invitation is for you. And you're saying, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I've heard about Jesus. Parents have talked to me about Jesus. Others have talked. I've seen other people witness to me. But today, the word is speaking to my heart. And I want to give my life to the Lord. If you're online, I ask you to just give us a call here at the church. Someone will take that call. Let us know and we'll lead you to salvation. If you're in the house, I ask you to just raise your hand. Saying, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I see no hands raised, and I take it that all have a relationship with the Lord. And I pray that you will continue to strive and run your race with endurance until you finish. My second appeal, if you're here and you're looking for a church home, or if you're online, if you're looking for a church home and the Spirit of God is telling you that striving for perfection ministry is a place for you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. We'd love to have you be a part of this ministry. We're a community ministry. We try to make Jesus' love visible in the community as much as we possibly can, as well as being a teaching ministry and a ministry where we love to magnify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if that is you, if that is you, if that is you, please raise your hand. If you're online, again, give us a call. Amen. I see no hands in the house. Then my last and final appeal is for just our prayer time. If you've got a prayer concern, I just ask that if you're at your seat, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Whatever that concern is, I just ask that you concentrate on it. Focus on the fact that you're coming before the throne of God to make your requests and your petitions known unto him. He's a God that will incline his ear down to hear you because he already knows what you're going through. And so we just come now to agree with one another in prayer, believing that God will hear and answer our prayers. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks on today. We thank you for this time that we sanctified and set apart, God, to come now to your altar to make our petition and our request known unto you. And God, I thank you for looking down on us, God, right now. Incline your ear down. Hear our cries. Hear our pleas, God. Hear our concerns, God. You told us in your word that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. And so right now, God, we just make our petitions known and we say, God, we believe that you're a faithful God, a loving God, and a merciful God. And God, I thank you for giving us a way back to you through Jesus Christ so that we don't have to go through anyone else but we can come boldly before your throne and make our petitions known. In Jesus' name we do pray and let everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. <laughs>